Welcome, it's indisputable. I'm your host, Rashad Richard, good to be with you. We have a lot on the agenda today. Breaking down news of the day, my contributor, none other than Wozni Lombre, who is a TYT contributor and remarkable individual. Should be a fascinating breakdown. Top story of the day, the funeral, the home going service of Tyree Nichols. It was headlined by Reverend Al Sharpton, did the eulogy and did a fine job. The proclamation of policy was front and center. Some have criticized individuals who would dare politicize a moment like this. I have some words for you, but allow me to give you a sentiment of what was expressed. Here it is. What happened to Tyree is so personal to me, is that five black men that wouldn't have had a job in the police department. Would not ever be thought of to be in an elite squad. In the city that Dr. King lost his life, not far away from that balcony, you beat a brother to death. There's nothing more insulting and offensive to those of us that fight to open doors, that you walk through those doors and act like the folks we had to fight for to get you through them doors. That was extremely appropriate, Reverend Al. Now, conservatives are crying foul. Uh, they're saying, "Oh my goodness, I cannot believe they are politicizing a funeral. Listen, first of all, uh, for black folks, we don't call it a funeral. We call it a homegoing celebration uh, because we believe the spirit returns back to where it came from. That is called a faith tradition. And the reality is that a service like this, whatever the family chooses is what's appropriate. That's how this works. Now, once again, Reverend Al Sharpton made a great point during that eulogy. The point was, it hits a little different when people you have fought for to have certain opportunities. Get that opportunity, turn around and then decide to treat black folk who sacrifice for you to have that opportunity the same way as the oppressor we fought to give it to you. Also, Vice President Kamala Harris spoke and the brother, Mr. Nichols spoke as well. Here it is. My brother was really robbed of his life. You know, uh, my brother didn't live up to the normal black man hype. A mm. uh, basketball player, football player, rapper, none of that, right? He set his own path. You know, he made his own light. Um, He's seen the world way different than I've ever seen it before. And when I sit here and look at the screens of the work that my brother has done and from the vigils, from people talking to me about my brother, I learned so much about him. And I don't think people just tell me this or be telling me, but my brother really touched a lot of lives. He was a very solid individual. He was very peaceful, he was very respectful. 
During that service, it was the first time many of us were able to receive a full bio basically of Mr. Tyree Nichols, a gentle individual, made his own path, created his own light and touched a lot of people. You see, when they say things like, it's not time to make it political, I need you to understand something. Tyree Nichols is dead because of politics. Tyree Nichols is dead because of politics. The politics that would prefer to protect corrupt cops rather than expose them. The politics created by the politicians who enact the policy that leads to the death of men like Tyree Nichols. The politics is already here. It is not escapable at this point. Now, remember, there are a couple of things that could have been done, at least in the spirit of transparency and in police accountability. We're gonna talk about that in just a moment. Uh, the funeral of Tyree Nichols, a black man who died after being beaten by police officers in Memphis, Tennessee, was marked by emotion, music, and a renewed call, renewed call for justice on Wednesday, including by Vice President Kamala Harris. She said, and I quote, this is a family that lost their son and their brother through an act of violence at the hands <clears throat> and the feet of people who had been charged with keeping them safe. Harris said at the service in Memphis. Now, you will notice that mainstream politicians are typically afraid to utilize a particular word when they say what happened. They don't want to say the phraseology uh, police violence. They won't say that, not police violence. They will say violence. They will say violence by those <clears throat> who were entrusted to not do this. But police violence will typically not go one, two. That's called a measured response. If we're still being measured at this point, we're in trouble. Right now, you need an appropriate response to the inappropriate actions being visited upon black and brown unarmed bodies. Harris, Sharpton, Crump, and Wales all called for the federal government and federal lawmakers to pass the George Floyd Justice in Policing Act. We've talked about it many times on this program, which stalled in the Senate in 2021 and would have introduced major changes to policing across the US, including the elimination of qualified immunity for officers. Services at the Mississippi Boulevard Christian Church in Memphis were live streamed on Facebook and YouTube. Now I'm going to highlight once again what the George Floyd Act would have done. I'm gonna highlight that in just a moment. But without the act, let me just allow an opportunity to present to you what the President of the United States could currently do without a law. Number one, he could actually eliminate federal funding for police departments who do not adhere to guidelines set by the federal government. Yeah, he can do that. He doesn't need a law in order to say our money, our rules, period. That's number one. Number two, he doesn't need a new law to instruct his Department of Justice to look into police misconduct 
in a way that the law allows. There's an allowance here through the Civil Rights Division of the DOJ. It takes emphasis, manpower, it takes an enhanced budget. It takes more leadership. But let's look at what the George Floyd Act would have done. Lowers the criminal intent standard from willful to knowing or reckless. Now that's a powerful one right there. It lowers the criminal intent standard for cops from willful to knowing or reckless. That's the standard that would apply to you and I. Please understand this. This is the standard we already have. Police for some reason have immunity with this standard. To convict a law enforcement officer for misconduct in a federal prosecution, it limits qualified immunity as a defense to liability in a private civil action against a law enforcement officer. As a matter of fact, most Americans agree with this one. And grants administrative subpoena power to the Department of Justice in pattern or practice investigations. Meaning, if you can establish a pattern of practice, then the DOJ has the right to come in and investigate and issue a penalty. Sometimes that penalty is civil. It establishes a framework to prevent and remedy racial profiling by law enforcement at the federal, state, and local levels. It also limits the unnecessary use of force and restricts the use of no-knock warrants, chokeholds, and carotid holds. That is something most Americans agree with. The bill creates a national registry. Now this is where it gets somewhat murky as far as public opinion is concerned. The bill creates a national registry, the National Police Misconduct Registry to compile data on complaints and records of police misconduct. It also establishes new reporting requirements, including on the use of force, officer misconduct, and routine policing practices, stops and searches included. But let me tell you the genius behind that rule. While some people have mixed feelings about a national registry of police misconduct, please understand you have a national registry of citizen misconduct, it's called a criminal history file. The national registry exists for you and me, but the police don't want to have one for themselves. There's a national registry for the misconduct of medical doctors. There's a national registry for the misconduct of virtually every profession. You can find who has engaged in industry misconduct, except for the police. These rules are different for them and they should not be, it's my point. It should not take an act of Congress to do something that every other professional group in America already does. There's more. Finally, it directs the DOJ to create uniform accreditation standards for law enforcement agency and requires law enforcement officers to complete training on racial profiling, implicit bias, and the duty to intervene when another officer uses excessive force. And I want to say this about the bias training and the excessive force training. A cop told me something, he's actually a leader in policing. And he said, you know, it's not just the bias training or the sensitivities that we should be aware of. That's not what is effective in these trainings. It's showing cops what trouble they will get into that is effective. It's showing cops the cause and effect reality of violating these particular rights. Because that's part of the training when they provide this level of bias, sensitivity, or racial profiling training. That's a good thing. 
because at least they are warned about a system that will hold them accountable. However, in practice, not so much. All right, Big Waz, what are your thoughts here, dear brother? Man, so many things to speak on here. First that you mentioned when conservatives are saying, don't make this political. The police, by definition, they're, they're the state's sanctioned arm of violence, right? They're the only people allowed to legally carry out violence on citizens. They're granted that right by the state. So by definition, this is a political matter, right? Just the idea that you could separate this from politics is absurd. And you know, I think another thing, the part that Reverend Al talked about, where you know it's disappointing when it's black guys, but Quite frankly, I'm not surprised because this is systemic. This is what the institution is. Those guys get in those institutions, they know who they can mess around with. They know who they can treat poorly and they know who they can't quite intimately, right? And I would even go as far to say they know which black people they can mess with and which black people they can't mess with. They're not gonna go in you know, to some neighborhood and beat up a black doctor in a affluent neighborhood. They know better than that. They know the type of Negroes they could screw around with. And you know, lastly, these guys are rational actors, Dr. Richie. These guys thought they could get away with it. And there's a reason for that because generally, um, as you mentioned, uh, the, the, the issues that this bill would address, there's just a certain lack of accountability in all of policing all over America, especially when it concerns with how they police, you know, uh, marginalized groups of people and people who don't have voices in a community, people who can't raise a stink, people who can't get a congressman on the phone. You know, people who can't get Channel 11 in their neighborhood on the phone yep. um, and make their voices heard. Um, they know what they're doing. This isn't a mistake. Yeah, you made a hell of a point. You said these, these individuals are rational actors. They know exactly what they're doing. They are, they function, they go to work, they probably go to church, they have families. Uh, but they are inside of an industry that they believed would protect them in their misconduct. Uh, and at least initially they were correct because the cover up started without a blemish until questions continue. We will continue to follow this, provide updates as they develop more officers are under investigation still. All right, a 12 year old child, a 12 year old child unarmed shot because of a police raid. Well, now there's a $12 million settlement. Let me give you the background to this extreme story. Let's put up the picture full mass here, all right? The Richton Park Police Department will now pay $12 million to settle a lawsuit alleging one of his officers wrongfully shot a mere warship, a then 12 year old child during a raid of his home in Illinois. This took place in 2019. Amir, 16, is permanently disabled after being shot in his knee during the raid. You heard me right. As part of the settlement, the officer in Richmond Park publicly apologized to Amir, who is now a high school junior and is expected to need multiple knee replacements 
during his entire lifetime. Officer Khalid Blood, who remains an officer for the Richton Park Police, claimed the gun was defective and accidentally went off, striking a mirror in the right knee. Let's put up a picture of the mother. Amir's mother, her name is Crystal. Crystal said, and I quote, I accept his apology, but he was reckless that day. There's a lot of healing we have to do. The family has since moved to Texas. But the family and their attorney said it is not enough. Officer Blood should be fired, the attorney says. He told reporters this on Wednesday, not only has he not been fired, but Officer Blood has not even been disciplined in any form or fashion for shooting a 12 year old boy. Hofield said three prior investigations into the shooting were inadequate and called for the Cook County State's Attorney's Office to reopen the investigation into the officer. I'm going to give you some background to this raid that took place in 2019. Amir was in fact shot. Amir was shot before dawn on May 26, 2019, after officers entered the home of Crystal Worship and exploded flashbang grenades. The officers were part of the South Suburban Emergency Response Team. They were looking for Crystal Worship's boyfriend, who was arrested and charged with drug possession. The charges were actually later completely dropped. During the raid, officers handcuffed. The 13 year old son and one officer pointed a rifle at Amir, according to the lawsuit. Amir was sitting on his bed and complying with the officer's commands when the officer's gun went off, according to them. Amir testified, the officer was adjusting the rifle when it fired. The officer had been pointing the gun at Amir's chest, but Amir leaned back to put his shoes on So he was shot in his knee instead. Amir has undergone five surgeries and suffers from PTSD. The officer remains on active duty with the Richardson Police Department, but recently requested to be placed on desk duty. The officer was dismissed from the South Suburban Emergency Response Team in September 2020 for committing multiple violations of firearm safety. Now, let me say this. The officer was well aware that doing that kind of action could lead to a person being injured or killed, okay? I want you to follow me on this. The George Floyd Policing Act would have lowered the standard from willful criminal conduct or what we call mens rea, meaning the intent to actually commit a crime. It would have lowered that standard to basically a negligent standard to be applicable in the right situation. If you are grossly negligent and it leads to the injury or death of an individual and you either knew or should have known better than what you did, you could be charged with a crime. Now that's the standard that you and I already have. If you're cleaning a gun or fiddling with a gun in front of a 12 year old child and that gun is pointed at the child and you shoot the child, it doesn't matter that it was a mistake, not for us. Not for citizens, but for the police. A trained person, a trained individual 
with a firearm does not have the same level of accountability as the untrained. Does that make any sense to anyone? So he avoids a criminal prosecution because of judicial doctrine that says, "Oh well, the police, they have to really, really be wanting to commit a crime for them to be punished. Which really means you have to really be able to prove that this was intentional rather than a mistake. But if somebody who did not have a badge did it, that element is not required. All right, Washington thoughts here. You know, it's interesting. <clears throat> you always hear gun people say, uh, guns don't kill people, people kill people. But yeah. I guess in this case, this guy is saying, I didn't do it, the gun just did it right. on its own. It's, it's quite hilarious how uh, that logic works. And yes, yeah, back to what you were saying about this general lack of accountability, just the idea that, you know, the people that we should be holding to the highest of standards gets held to a lower standard as far as public safety is concerned than the average citizen. That seems to be, you know, what what people from our neighborhoods would call ass backwards. Yep. Dr. Richie, like these guys should be held to the highest of scrutiny. It makes me think that the powers that be feel like cops can't cop unless they feel, you know, invincible. Unless they feel like they can be as reckless and as sloppy as they want to be. Um, that seems to be the attitude that these guys don't have the competence, they don't have the focus, they don't have the care and empathy, more importantly, uh, to do their jobs any other way. Because if they're held to a standard um, befitting of the responsibility that we hand to them as citizens, uh, then they apparently can't do the job. Yeah, what these rules have done, dear brother, is it has created an attraction for individuals who are willing to work in an industry that will protect corruption. That's what is happening. You have people attracted to the job for all the wrong reasons now due to those rules that have protected people throughout the industry of policing since day one. All right, got an update. This is one of the saddest things in the world. Elijah McClain, remember, he was arrested. He was then basically put in an ambulance. He was killed. And the officer who threatened to put a canine on him is now rehired. Let's put his picture up full mass. This was one of the saddest stories I covered. The Aurora Police Department has now rehired the former canine officer, Matthew Green, who's on the right, who in 2019 helped restrain the young Elijah McClain. And even threatened to unleash his canine on him during the stop that led to the young man's death. Green was hired on January 10th to the rank of patrol officer, according to the city hiring documents obtained by the Sentinel through an open records request. Green is not, <coughs> excuse me, one of the officers facing criminal charges in connection with McLean's death. Many disagree with that decision. But he was named as a defendant in the 2020 lawsuit filed by McLean's parents against the city of Aurora and 15 first responders. The lawsuit settled for $15 million in 2021. That's called defunding the police because of bad police conduct. All right, now let's put up the mother. Here's what's happening. Elijah's mother, Shanine McLean, 
was upset Green had been rehired and told the Sentinel, in my opinion, everyone that was there that night and did nothing to help my son stay alive are all accessories to my son's murder. I agree with your sentiment. She also added that Green was that Green was an mm for taking on the slave mentality of telling a person of color they're going to be attacked by a police dog. I have some of the audio, we'll play it in just a moment. Green arrived several with several other officers at the scene as backup in North Aurora. This was August 24, 2019. After McLean had already been tackled to the ground, restrained and handcuffed by initial responders, an independent investigation of the stop shows that Green threatened McLean, saying that he would use his police dog. Remember, McLean did nothing wrong. He did nothing illegal and he died because of their actions. Here's some of that video. If you keep messing around, I'm gonna bring my dog out. He's gonna dog bite you. You understand me? Keep messing around. Quit messing around. He was doing nothing wrong. He was confused as to what you were doing. Shortly after that, the report said Green replaced Officer Jason Rosenblatt in holding down McLean's legs. Uh, let's go ahead and put up the individuals. I want to briefly recap the tragic incident. McLean was detained and placed in a chokehold during an encounter initiated by the Aurora Police Department. The officers you see, Randy Rodima, Nathan Wood, uh, Woodyard, and Jason Rosenblatt. Paramedics Peter Kucinich and Jeremy Cooper injected McLean with what investigators now describe as an overdose of ketamine. The 23 year old was handcuffed and restrained on the ground. McLean went into cardiac arrest and three days later was taken off of life support. In 2021, a state grand jury indicted the five first responders for felony manslaughter and criminally negligent homicide in addition to lesser crimes. Also in 2021, the city entered into a consent decree with the state attorney general's office that requires APD to implement 70 different reform mandates meant to break a pattern of excessive force and racial bias. Um, how did this happen? How does a guy who obviously is completely outside of protocol, may have even been the catalyst to why a lot of this happened. And a person so controversial that community members and leaders are still saying he should be fired and charged with a crime. How did he get away with being not charged, all right? So this, this controversial individual, he gets rehired, APD hiring is conducted by the city's civil service commission, which is responsible for the hiring and discipline of police officers and firefighters independent of the respective agencies. The commission has faced criticism in the past by police reform advocates for overturning firing or discipline decisions made by the police chief. Now this is ironic, isn't it? Under the terms of the consent decree, it must make as much of the disciplinary process public as possible and change the hiring process. So new recruits meet with their hiring agency sooner. 
Let me go to the spokesperson of APD. Matthew Longshore said Green applied for reinstatement during the tenure of interim chief Dan Oates, who preceded current interim chief Art Acevedo. Longshore said Oates endorsed Green's reinstatement and forwarded the matter to city management and that the Civil Service Commission ultimately signed off on Green's hiring. This has, this has got to stop. Elijah McClain was one of the most innocent human beings you have ever seen in your life. He was a sweet soul. Every officer involved, every paramedic who decided to engage in negligent behavior that led to the death of this young man should absolutely face the music. Giving this cop his job back, I'm talking to the city of Aurora. Giving this cop his job back shows exactly who you are. It shows the community who you are. Please understand, you are literally forcing the community to pay the salary of individuals who are oppressing them. You are making them finance their own oppression. Now this is why the us and them relationship continues to permeate. Leadership does not require genius, it requires heart. And when you see actions like this that seemingly lack heart, from every agency involved and every person who made a decision. Why would you ever believe the community would trust you? Why? If you're working on trust, stop rehiring people who are not. It's that simple. All right, watch the thoughts here. Uh, this is obviously a miscarriage of justice. Um, if this guy's not facing criminal um, charges, okay, then you can just say, well, we don't have the, the sort of legal juice to take the guy down. Certainly, he shouldn't be allowed to go out and carry something like this out. Again, um, look, I'm somebody who uh, I think the standard for people to lose their jobs in this country should be quite high, considering that we have no social safety net. And if you're not working, you're basically done, done for. Um, however, I think taking the life of a very young person for no damn reason sort of should meet the standard of maybe you shouldn't have that job that you were in um, while you were in your uh, capacity to do that. That that seems to be obvious to me. Even as somebody who thinks the standard for people losing their job should be high, killing a kid on the job, um, yeah, that, that that kind of reaches the standard for me. So to me, this is obvious. Yeah, we will see if a correction is made or if somehow they see the light and they force this guy to resign. We will continue to follow it as it develops. Shame on you all for doing this to that family. All right, we got more on the other side. It's indisputable, stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me read a couple of these comments, kind of press for time. Next TYT reporter says the politics is laying in that coffin. Politics took him from his family. They have every right to politicize his funeral. There you go. Um, I welcome, I think this is Helix Chaga. Welcome to Indisputable. Thank you so much for the support. All right, got something for you. Ladies and gentlemen, I wish you Karen Wood. You wanna call the police on him for having a barbecue on a and Sunday? You're your still friends. I'm going to tell them there's an African American man threatening my life. Hey, quit harassing me. Both, you're harassing me. You're harassing me. We're trying to. Dog okay. out of here. Okay. No, this is my dog. He's calm. And we brought him to the park to 
socialize with other dogs. We're just trying to go into a public park. You got a whole empty one right there. Go in it. You're looking for trouble, dude. We have a yard at home. No, we brought him to socialize with other dogs. Right there's an empty. You you don't own the park, and you can't make us leave. Don't come in here and bully me, you jerk no, ass. You're the bully. Look at you. Oh. And your dogs follow your attitude. We came up here. He was calm. Your dogs were all. Rah, 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 rah. And so you're trying to say we're the crazy ones? My dog. Okay, so who's approaching who? Who's the bully here? All we're trying to do is come to a public. We're trying to. This is a public park. Because it's a public park. Exactly. Dog, what I want. So it's a I'm public. So you can't tell us that we can't say, come in. Yeah. <laughs> I it. Yeah, right. So wow. Wow. So that was racist. Wow. She just said that we weren't. Going That's in cool. Awesome. Because I got it on camera. We'll be all over the internet. Let's do that. She just said she accused she us of not being American didn't. citizens. We yeah, you just did. You're on I camera. Just, I just recorded <laughs> You're on camera. You put them in your own mouth. I said I'm an American citizen. Are you? Yeah, I got more video. She's, oh, no, no, no. I didn't say that. I, I said, I'm an American citizen. As if somehow that's not equally the exact same. <laughs> um, here's the thing. The uh, pets were actually well behaved, <laughs> much better than the adults. I mean, if there was some barking before, definitely stopped. When the adult started barking, it's interesting to note that she seemed to be upset that a dog barked. <laughs> this is what they do, they bark. Uh, they bark especially around new dogs, they would tend to bark. Then they tend to not bark anymore at a certain point and everybody moves on. Here's the second video. I just <laughs> You're on camera. You put them in your own mouth. I said I'm an American citizen. Are you? I said yes. You said you doubt it. We answered yes. We could watch the video. We answered yes. We're American citizens. You said you doubt it. Quit harassing me. You're harassing. It's all on camera. People could judge for themselves. harassing me. It's a public park. No, we came to so, to let our dog run around and socialize with other dogs. Or else we would have kept him home. He could run around at home, right? Mm -hmm. Is a, a dog park supposed to be to run around with other dogs? And our dog only has himself. He doesn't have other dogs to play with. When this Karen told them folks to stop harassing her, whoa. All right, let's put the picture up full mass here. Um, classic Karenicity. This is sort of a throwback Karen. It was originally posted on December 19th, 2022 by TikTok user FilthyRich85, aka Richard. In a part two uploaded by Richard, he captures the Karen following the family and him to the parking lot. And they actually had to call 911. Isn't that something? You see? Karenicity impacts everybody. All right, why is thoughts here? 
the the citizen line kind of threw me because the brother was speaking perfect English. <laughs> he seemed to be as American as as apple pie. I, I don't know how she could have gone with the not a citizen. Um, that that was strange. But man, these dog parks seem to be more trouble than they're worth. Man, just just walk the dog in your in your neighborhood and take it back to the crib, Doctor Richie. Man, you know what these we've dog covered a lot. Are crazy, man. We've covered a lot of dog parks, and here's what we can conclude based on the research. Dog parts do attract carrots. Hell yeah. If you go to one, just understand what may be waiting for you there. All right. Black student has been attacked according to the report and dreadlocks ripped from his scalp. Let's put the picture up full mass. In Kennesaw, Georgia, two men belonging to a fraternity allegedly attacked Jalik Roseman. Mr. Roseman said he parked and was headed to his apartment when the men attacked him and proceeded to stomp him before ripping his dreadlocks oh off of his head. They're referring to me as boy, he says. Roseman said they're calling me black, they're calling me the N word. The investigation of the incident so far, police went to the frat house and spoke to the men involved. They said their investigation remains ongoing. WSB TV reporter Tom Jones, Tom Jones is a very good reporter by the way, good friend of mine. Got the incident report in which a man claimed Roseman drove recklessly through the parking lot and almost hit him and his frat brother, so they attacked him. Roseman said that's nowhere close to the truth. What sparked all of this? There's nothing but hatred, Mr. Roseman said, because I didn't do anything. All I did was pull into my home. Can I submit this for the record? If he was recklessly driving, it does not provide permission for criminal assault. I believe him based on simple credibility. I believe him based on credibility, that's my opinion. But even if the other narrative is true, it still does not provide an immunity for criminal conduct against him. Let's put up the powers that be. Kennesaw police are asking anyone with information about this case to give Detective James Amica on the left a call at 770-429-4533. As of this report, police have not arrested anyone and have not said whether this is a hate crime. Bill. Westenberger is the chief of police right now of Kennesaw on the right. The identity of the alleged attackers, nor the fraternity they belong to, could be confirmed. All right. Um, once again, another saga. We just have to pay attention to it, see how it develops. If it happened the way the young man says it happened, obviously, this is a hate crime in the state of Georgia. Uh, we finally, finally received a hate crimes bill roughly two years ago. All right. Jeff, thoughts here. Justice, I'm sorry, <laughs> I just want to make that quick, like real quick. Let's do what's right here, please. There it is, all right. Okay, uh, Donald Trump basically has admitted 
to possibly doing illegal things with the mafia. And he has admitted that he is in fact too, basically a criminal. Here it is. When you have your staff taking the Fifth Amendment, taking the fifth, so they're not prosecuted. When you have the man that set up the illegal server taking the fifth, I think it's disgraceful. Reasons I respectfully decline to answer the questions under the rights and privileges afforded to every citizen under the United States Constitution. This will be my answer to any further questions. Fifth Amendment, Bob. The mob takes the fifth. If you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? For all of the reasons provided in my answer, which is incorporated herein, in its entirety, I decline to answer the question. Amendment. Horrible. Horrible. He pleaded the Fifth and that was the end. We never heard about him. Other than struggling to read, what does this say about Donald Trump? Here it is. For all of the above reasons, I respectfully decline to answer the questions under the rights and privileges afforded to every citizen under the United States Constitution. This will be my answer to any further questions. Mr. Trump, the focus of our investigation and what we are primarily going to cover today involves the presentation of your statements of financial condition between 2011 and the present. Uh, I take it you are generally familiar with those statements, is that correct? For all of the reasons provided in my answer, which is incorporated herein, in its entirety, I decline to answer the question. You know who Trump reminds me of? You know that one person in class when you were in high school that never wanted to read out loud, but he was still called upon by the teacher. That's Donald <laughs> Trump. All right, what led to the creation of that supercut? Let me give you the background. On Tuesday, CBS released hours long video of former President Donald Trump repeatedly invoking the constitutional right some 440 times, 440 times. During an August 10th, 2022 deposition for the New York AG's office due to their fraud investigation into his firm, Twitter user, Ron Filipkowski, and this has just remarkable uh, editing. A former Republican turned fierce critic of the MAGA GOP shared the supercut featuring Trump's comments alongside his previous wildly different takes on people who take the fifth. The New York Attorney General's $250 million lawsuit, which seeks to kneecap the company's operations in the state, accuses Trump. Trump and their company of engaging in a years long widespread fraud scheme revolving around property value manipulations. In addition to financial penalties, the Attorney General's office is seeking an end to the company's operations in New York and sanctions on the for Trump's. The New York AG's civil case is scheduled to go to trial on October 2nd. The judge in that case has rejected repeated attempts by Trump's attorney to push the date back. Whoa, all right, so let's get into it. So Donald Trump said, listen, if you take the fifth, you're a criminal. Who takes the fifth? Only the mob takes the fifth. That's according to Trump. He made it very clear when he ran for president the first time that if you take the fifth, that means you have broken the law, okay? He did not say it was a constitutional right. 
He did not say the government cannot compel you to testify against yourself. He did not say this is a cherished, this is a cherished constitutional allowance or mandate. He said if you do it, you're a criminal. So by cause and effect, by relationship standard here, Donald Trump is a criminal based on his own linear logic. Now, will those on the right hold him accountable to his words? Of course not, they know he's a liar. That's the reason they don't hold him accountable. Now, if Biden would have done something like that, oh my goodness. Not even Biden, if Hunter Biden, who has no political authority, no political position whatsoever, does not oversee a budget, nor has he ever overseen a public budget. If he would have done it, all of a sudden, the president of the United States, because his son said this during the deposition, must be compromised. And everybody has to be investigated. But when Donald Trump does it, nothing there. All right, Wasney, thoughts on the hypocrisy of this? You know, I don't think Donald Trump is a very, um, let's call it deep person. Everything is kind of on the surface. So if he's saying, you know, people who, who plead the fifth or people who are committing crimes and, you know, this is what the mob does, it's because Donald Trump knows he himself has committed crimes and that's what he knows his lawyer would have instructed him to do if under questioning is withhold any information. Like this is obvious. Donald Trump is a crook. Donald Trump is a cheat. Donald Trump is a grifter. He knows this. He's only speaking what he knows. Um, these are very shallow individuals. Not very hard to scratch beneath the surface of you know this guy's public act. He speaks like this because he's talking from experience. He's committed crimes. He's committed frauds. And the proof is when he gets deposed, he pleads the fifth because he's guilty as sin. There you go. That's how you cap. Uh, that's how you um, caption that. He's guilty and he knows. It. All right, I'm with that. We got more on the other side. It's indisputable stick and stay. The police, they decide to drag and tase a family dog. All right, let's put the pictures up full mass. Very sad. In Lodi, California, a family's beloved dog has uh, is now dead after he was repeatedly tased and dragged by the police. This was on the afternoon of January 24th. His name was Enzo and the two year old Husky was running free because a door was accidentally left unlatched at his home, allowing him to run around. Witnesses uploaded the video to social media sites and has gone viral, which shows officers approaching Enzo using a taser. The video shows the dog falling before returning to his feet after the first tase and then being tased a second time. At that point, an animal services officer was able to loop the snare pole around the dog's neck. The dog is then dragged to the animal services truck. Let's put the individuals involved. Just, you know, their only way to handle it, according to them. The individuals identified as being involved in the death of this family pet are officers Timothy Ivey, Chris Delgado, and animal control officer Jordan 
Cranage. Police said the dog chased a family into their home and then tried to attack their dog on Sandpiper Circle. Then later became aggressive toward three bystanders on Finch Run. However, witnesses said none of that ever happened. They said none of that, whatever the police are saying, that just never happened. Describing Enzo as a very friendly dog. Enzo's owners, let's put up Anna Marquez, Anna and Aline Galano said the dog has never shown aggression and was not acting vicious on that Tuesday. The police said in a statement, the taser is designed as a less lethal option that was used by our officer in an attempt to stun and temporarily incapacitate the dog so that our animal services officer could safely get it under control. It is unfortunate and we are saddened by the outcome of this incident. We understand the public outcry regarding the video footage that has been posted on social media. However, we would like to remind everyone that this is only a small portion of the overall incident. Don't you find it ironic that the same statement they would have had if they shot an unarmed black man is the same statement they have for unarmed dog? Let's put up the chief. Buck stops with him, he's the guy who is allegedly in charge. Chief Sierra Brucia runs the police department, Lota Police Department. Um, as, it, as it stands right now, no additional statement has come from the department. Let's put up the GoFundMe, all right? You would like to donate, there you go. It's an opportunity to do so and engage in a thoughtful way. Uh, yeah, so this happened, why, why? Why was that their only way to deal with the situation? It doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense. Okay, there's a friendly dog and the dog is loose. All the witnesses said it was a friendly dog. None of this happened that you're saying happened. So why engage in that manner? All right, why have some thoughts here? It's almost as if there's a playbook, right? Wow. Uh, for whenever, whenever these guys misbehave, uh, there's they know what to go to, they know what to say, they know who exactly who is going to back them up. Um, this is just how they operate. Uh, it's quite obvious that this is this is the play, Doctor Fritchie. You you come up with a false statement, you tell people like, oh, it was a mistake, or oh, it was you know the dog was attacking me, or oh, I felt in danger for my life. Or it's it's obvious they use it at every single turn. It's you know covering your you know what at every yeah. single turn. And again, they know that their superiors are gonna back their moves no matter how flip. They flout the rules, and so you know there's nothing surprising here. And of course, it's somebody's family dog. Like these dogs provide all kinds of companionship for folks. People have genuine love and compassion for their dogs, and to have to have your dog die this senselessly and recklessly is unfortunate. I agree, we have an update to a story we covered yesterday. Remember the woman, let's put her up full mass. Remember the woman who basically could not work her job because she no longer had teeth. And the policy was you must have an impeccable smile because you no longer have teeth, you cannot work here basically. The woman in question, she lost her front teeth 
according to her, because her husband knocked her teeth out for forgetting to turn off the hallway light. I was so touched by the story yesterday that I offered to pay for whatever procedure was necessary in order to get her teeth fixed. Because it violated the smile policy at her job. There's an update. Rose Marie Counts is her name. The former Ohio Sheets employee who lost her job because of her teeth. Many of which are missing because of her ex-husband according to her. Violated the convenience store smile policy. Well, after our story yesterday, the chain has scrapped the policy and has now offered to pay for the dental work of miscount. Um, all right, you all finally got it together. Less than 25 hours after news outlets Jezebel, the insider, and us, um, Sheets spokesperson, reached out with an update and said, and I quote, our culture at Sheets has always been centered on respect and putting our employees, customers, and communities first. As a family owned and operated company, nothing is more important than creating an environment that is inclusive and supportive of all of our employees. Recently through employee feedback, we have learned that the smile policy is not aligned with these values from their perspective. We agree, effective immediately, this policy is discontinued. Count shared an update on Facebook that she contacted her in the wake of the news coverage and told her she still had a job at the store. Should she want it? And if I stay working there, they would pay for my dental work, she added, noting that she politely declined and instead opted to receive care from a cosmetic dentist in New York who'd reached out to her. You see, that's called love. People all over the country saying, we got you. America can be ugly, yes, but America can also be beautiful. That is a beautiful thing that people said, we're willing to help. Um, so to the company, let this be a lesson for you. Treat people right, because as I said in the original reporting, it's not the teeth that makes the smile. It's the spirit that the smile is offered in, all right? Wozni, thoughts here? Uh, I'm actually pretty deeply touched by this. Um, I, I spent a brief time in my life living in Pennsylvania, and I can't tell you how many meatball subs and breakfast sandwiches mm. I've eaten at Sheets in my life. I used to love yeah. <laughs> going there, to be honest. It was one of my favorite favorite spots. And to hear this lady, you know, man, I'm, I'm actually going to the dentist right after this show. Um, anything involving your teeth can can turn into something really traumatic yep. and just painful and awful and to have that be compounded by your job essentially you know terminating your term of employment because of something that's completely out of your control like that's that's so disheartening but like you said man it's awesome to hear that people reached out to her and said you know we're going to help you out and we're going to make you try to make you whole again um but this dental situation so that's beautiful to hear but this is this is just about as awful as it gets yeah. um and it just shows like it, yeah. 
recently at my company um, at Spotify, we had layoffs. And um, you know, they gave you the whole rundown about um, the package that they uh, give to people that are, have unfortunately been let go. And then you read that like in Europe, you gotta give employees three months <laughs> notice uh, to fire them. Like you literally have to keep them on the job for three months when you decide you wanna fire them. And I was just like, God damn, man, like they actually somewhat give a damn about the people who have to work in those countries, right? And in America, like that, that like you couldn't even fathom something like that passing Congress, um, much less being taken into, you know, uh, actually being implemented anywhere. And this, this just reminds me of that, of how little we care about our workforce here in this country. But I'm happy this woman is gonna be able to get her stuff back in order. Well said, well said, dear brother. All right, I got a question for everybody. What in the red state hell? You can take a gun, shoot somebody in the face. It's not hard. Sometimes it might even be fun if they're a godless commie. Now, what they're trying to do is sneak the COVID vaccine in your salads. I never had, I hate math. Somebody say amen. All right, there's a man decided to bite off the whole head. Python, put him up for a mass. All right, Kevin Justin Mayargo, uh, this is from Florida. 32 year old man is now facing multiple felonies for allegedly biting the head off of his girlfriend's pet Python during a domestic dispute in their home. He was charged with one count each of animal cruelty with intent to kill, false imprisonment, resisting an officer with violence. He was booked into the Turner Guilford Knight Correctional Center where he is currently being held on a $15,000 bond. The affidavit reports that police ordered him to stop running and put his hands up, but he allegedly resisted. One of the officers used a taser on him, but the weapon reportedly had no effect. As police attempted to detain him, he allegedly began swinging at them, hitting one officer in the eye with his wrist, which had a handcuff on it. The strike resulted in an abrasion on the officer's face. The affidavit states, just so you know, he is alive. The police did not feel as if he needed to be shot and killed for fighting them. It was only after he was detained using hand and leg restraints and brought out of the apartment that police learned about the grisly fate of the female victim's pet snake. The woman reportedly told the officers that he grabbed her snake, a ball python, which typically reaches about four or five feet in length, and bit the head clean off. Officers then reportedly located the snake and the animal's severed head, both lying on the ground next to the front door. Florida. All right, Wozniak. I mean, what can you say about the state of Florida that hasn't already been said? First of all, 
Um, his girlfriend is 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 quite the character for even having a pet python in the first place. I've personally never dated a woman who owned a snake. Uh, I don't think I ever will. Um, but shouts to her. You know, uh, she's she's clearly not a scaredy cat, and and, and she thinks a, a a big old snake is a suitable pet, but. Biting the head off of a live, I don't even want to know what that tastes like. The brains and the guts and all of that in your mouth. And yeah, I hope this brother gets some help. Um, he clearly is mentally disturbed. And I would hope that he could get some help to let him know that maybe, just maybe, um, when you get upset that the answer isn't to grab a reptile, a snake's reptiles, a reptile, and bite its head off whole. That I, That's just, Lord, what would you do if you, you know, you start hanging out with a young lady for the first time and, you know, we, we finally get to the place where we're going to each other's apartments and there's just a big old snake waiting for there <laughs> as soon as you walked in. You know, brother, I gotta tell you, man, snakes are not that bad. I used to feel that way too until okay. until I got to hold a snake and, you know, they're actually quite gentle, all right? Okay. So, yeah. <laughs> Uh, dear brother, always a pleasure having you on the program. Tell people how they can follow you, check out your great work. Um, of course, uh, go to the ringer.com, uh, my NBA coverage. If you have any interest in the NBA or pop culture, ringer.com. We got all, all of your bases covered over there. Excellent work by my colleagues, um, as well as the stuff that we do on the NBA. And if you have a political interest, which obviously you do, you're watching Dr. Richie, uh, Woke Bros every single Thursday morning with my brother Nando Vila. Uh, go check all of those out. Always a pleasure, dear brother. Until next time, my friend. Peace. All right, we got more. The bullpen is next. Stick and stay. All right, welcome back. We have a lot of show left. Let me read a couple of these comments. Mickey C, the silver haired dragon, says cops kill 20 to 30 dogs a day. Although not all departments report when they murder dogs, it's estimated that at least 100,000 dogs are killed every year. Wow. Bill's dragon circles the wagon. Uh, well, yeah, Florida, of course, that happened in Florida. How many red flags did this woman miss before it got to that point? Um, Yo B Devo CZA 0202, what the F does teeth have to do with work ethic? There you go, my sentiment exactly. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the bullpen. We have a special bullpen today, my big homie Tizzy, my brother from another mother. Before I go to Tizzy, let me remind you of the kind of stories him and I both cover. Here it is. Hey, Vancouver, British Columbia, it's your turn. Need to see that public? The kids don't And the fun thing about Canada is they're pretty good about bringing hate crime charges. Which this absolutely qualifies as. So uh, Vancouver, who is he? So you have a double amputee who's normally in a wheelchair, um, moving around on the remainder of his legs, wielding a knife. And you want to disarm him so that he doesn't hurt you, himself, or others. So what can you do? You tried taser, taser didn't work. Fair. Pepper spray? I mean, if he can't see, it'd be hard to throw a knife at you. But let's say he didn't have pepper spray. Okay, how about step back? 
How about create distance? It seems time after time we see members of law enforcement go, that meets the bare minimum standard of what makes it okay for me to pull my gun and discharge it. And so they do, instead of always trying to find any other solution. So I showed you that video of a Douglasville, Georgia man threatening the life of a black FedEx driver while hurling racial slurs at him. Then I showed you how that driver now has an attorney and they went and filed a formal incident report with the Sheriff's Department and now the Sheriff's Department just needs to act on it. Well, the Sheriff's Department decided they're not going to cite that man. If you want this handled in the court of public opinion, we can go that route, but I'd rather he faces the legal consequences that he absolutely should. He called him racial slurs and told him, I'll show you how little black lives matter. That is a hate crime. So since the Sheriff's Department wants to operate under good old boy standards, perhaps the Douglas County District Attorney would like to take up the reins and do something about it. My dear brother, all right, so what people may not know is that Tiz and I actually work on stories together sometimes, just behind the scenes, all right? Okay, um, my brother, my brother, thank, thank you, you so much for having me. Absolutely, man, um, video content creator, editor, director, let me ask you this question first, because I think some people would be fascinated to know what led you to do this kind of much needed social justice work. Um, I, I would say I found it by accident. Mm. Uh, I joined TikTok originally just to create uh, silly content, uh, just as a creative outlet. You know, uh, kind of always on any kind of thing like that, Instagram, Twitter, whatever it may be. It kind of goes hand in hand with what I do for a living in the film and television industry. Maybe I'm exporting something or rendering something. To me, it was a way to keep the creative juices flowing. I'll just make a silly video, I'll post it and I'll be done. And very quickly on that app, I noticed misinformation spreading rapidly. You know, you'd have something, someone says something that's clearly not true, easily disprovable. And then you have you know, 12 million views, uh, several hundred thousand likes and a few hundred thousand people going, I never knew this, this changes everything. And I was sitting there going like, well, that's, that's not true at all. So it, it kind of started as that, me sort of responding to just misinformation. And that could be political, that could be you know, when COVID first happened, uh, when we were in lockdown and we saw conspiracy theories like QAnon explode. Uh, and then obviously the vaccine and people, so it's kind of, you know, things definitely kind of come to the forefront over time. And I just sort of, you know, in that frustration of trying to go like, hey, maybe we should apply some, some rational logical thought to things, then you know you start seeing stories like this and stuff like this. People even bring stuff uh, to me and go like, "Hey, can we talk about this? Why did this happen? Why does it seem like this keeps happening?" And I have those same questions, and it made me realize a lot of people have those questions. So I just started talking about it, and for whatever reason, people listened and engaged. You know, Michael, I want to know your process, dear brother, because naturally. We're just one person, I'm one person, you're one person. Um, we can help somebody, but we're not able to help everybody. But everybody can help somebody. And if everybody would engage, then everybody would get help. So there has to be a process. I know I get a lot of emails every day, every day. And we are very thoughtful about going through those emails, following yep. up, having people provide information so that we can probably vet the story. And here's why we have to do that. There are people who try to get us to do stories that are not true in order to discredit the platform. So we have to be really, really careful when we vet the information up front. 
What kind of process have you been able to engage in? Because I know people hit you up just as well. Sure, um, I mean, I, I think it's constantly evolving. Mm. Um, a lot of it over time, and you, you can probably relate, you you do kind of build sort of a gut, if you mm-hmm. will, yep. to like mm, something here. Those, those red flags pop up pretty easily uh, where you can see stuff. Sometimes there's stuff that I, I think is probably true. I, you know, I believe the person telling me the thing, but there's not enough for me to be able to go and make a video and say this thing happened or this was like this. Um, so yeah, it, it takes a lot of kind of discernment, I'd say is maybe a good way of putting it to just sort of like, you know, you go through those facts, you double check things, you ask for links, you asked for for the screenshots or the recordings or the, the stuff that backs up the claims that are being made. And so, you know, you kind of have to just sort of vet it. And then it's a mix of that and sort of, you know, using your, your own better intuition and deciding accordingly. But it, it can be tough. You know, let me ask you about some of the responses you get. I'm going to read one that I received um, just this morning. Now, I get death threats all the time. And so this person uh, named Reed says, so as to make no mistake as to who I am loyal to, I am from a long line of the White Knife Clan. All right, so he sends me this in an email. Uh, this is what we call a veiled threat. I get them all the time. Uh, I'm sure people come at you as well. They don't like the fact that you are exposing corruption. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, I remember I did a video that just was talking about the differences between uh, black pride and white pride, for yeah. example. It came out a few yeah. years back. Um, a lot of white supremacists, they put me on the radar and they really didn't like that. Uh, I, I got to a point where I started responding to people and asking if they could, if you do a Google search for um, images of nooses, if you could please scroll down like 30, 40 or 50. Cause those first like 20 or 30, I've already seen all of them. You all have sent them to me already. Wow. Cause I got tons of messages that were like, you can hang alongside. Mm-hmm. Yep. And, Stuff of that nature, and yeah, I'll get I'll get those things. You know, if I I'll get those things when I uh, do a post, and maybe I duet someone or I share someone else's post. Then they're like, oh, you know, these people messaged me to tell me uh, don't associate with him because X Y Z. Or if you're with him, then you can get it too. So sometimes it even spills over in that way. Um, yeah, it, it is um, unnerving to say the least. Yeah. Tell me about your connection to the stories. Um, I'm really not a professional broadcaster. I'm a guy that professionally broadcast. Um, I'm Rashad Richard from Glenwood Road. That's who I am. And that's how I, I approach stories and that's how I connect to stories. So some stories obviously uh, have significant emotional impact on me. Um, how do you get through that process as you are not only vetting the story, but working the story so that you can make a presentation, a thoughtful presentation to the public without getting so caught up that you cannot deliver the story properly. Sure, I mean, yeah, because a lot of these things do impact me in an, on an emotional level. Yeah, um, I, think, I think that's a big part of why we do this kind of stuff, right? Um, as my following, if you can call it that, grew, you know, you get to a point where you start feeling an obligation. You start feeling like if, if all these people are going to be listening and then there's people that need help or things that need attention, I feel a responsibility to bring that, so I'd say that's probably the main driving factor. That's the thing that kind of keeps me going. 
Because um, this can be, I don't think I have to tell you, this can be taxing on your mental health. Yeah. Uh, this can be taxing on your physical health. Um, there you get burned out, you get wore down, and you just have to kind of keep finding those things that keep you going. In my case, I find it's usually when we actually, and I say we because I can't do this stuff alone. It's the people that follow and engage and share. That's the reason that anything gets accomplished. And when we're able to help someone, when we're able to you know, find out who someone is, or there is a need and a GoFundMe or whatever the case may be, and we're able to overwhelm that person um, with blessings and kindness. Or sometimes it's just I'll post something and just people that, that follow me and see my post will inundate that person with positivity. Yep. That's what keeps me going and that's, that's kind of. I gotta say this brother, you change the tides of things routinely. I mean, it has become very normative for you and your everyday lifestyle. But I wanna pause on this to help people really appreciate what you do for everyday individuals. People who cannot find justice in their local community, people who cannot find justice through outlets of media, traditional media primarily, they will find justice through you. You get the story, you're thoughtful about listening, you put together a presentation to the public and it makes sense. And the public responds and what happens? A few things, number one, the person who has been wronged all of a sudden feel as if it's going to be okay because there's support they can feel. Second, your commentary has created change. Police departments have changed their minds because of you. Policies have changed because of you and outcomes have changed because of you. That has to be a significant catalyst for the work that you and your people continue to do. No, absolutely, it, yeah. it is the it's the whole thing. I mean, I just had something I posted today and the young lady involved um, literally made the statement that she was didn't feel safe to try and press charges against someone until she got inundated with messages after my video posted mm. from people showing her support, from people validating that she has a right and a reason to feel the way that she does. And how that made her feel safe, that gave her confidence, and how she did did communicate with police. And she did stand up for herself and say, something needs to be done and now charges have been brought in that situation. That kind of thing is, is everything as far as I'm concerned. I gotta say this for everyone watching. My dear brother actually reached out to me a while ago and it was based on a story. And from there, we decided to start coordinating together on some things. Uh, and typically, we're not going to let the public know what we're coordinating on. All right, we want to be effective, okay? Uh, but his heart, his spirit, uh, was so authentic in in reaching out. I just I got to get this brother on the show, um, and I want to highlight your continued work for those who may not uh, follow you presently. Please make sure you follow this brother. Uh, I really appreciate all you do, Michael. Yeah, thank you so much for saying that. I, I really appreciate it, and I appreciate that. You know, I'm not the only one that. People like yourself and others are doing it as well. All right, uh, for those who are watching, dear brother, tell them how they can follow you and check out your great work. Um, sure, Tizzy Ent, T-I-Z-Z-Y-E-N-T, Instagram, Twitter, TikTok. You can find me on all those platforms. Um, I post multiple times a day, um, much to my own chagrin. Uh, so yeah, uh, you can find me there and keep up with me there. And I appreciate all the eyeballs that can help uh, forward a story. There you go, thank you Tizzy, I appreciate your brother. Thank you. All right. There it is, remember, take care of yourself, take care of each other, take care of the planet. Remember the truth is always indisputable.